Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Stampede Blue Podcast, the official podcast of the Indianapolis Colts on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm Dave Walker, and on today's podcast, we'll be recapping the Colts' 27-10 victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week three of the preseason. Yes, the final week, the preseason is over. Uh, we are two weeks away from real, meaningful NFL football uh, when the Colts will travel to Houston to take on the Texans on Sunday, September 11th. It's right around the corner, but before we get there, before we could talk about the games that matter, uh, let's talk about what we saw in this final preseason game. Now, preseason game two, we didn't see many of the starters. Uh, In this game, however, first several series, we were able to see guys like Matt Ryan, uh, most of the starting offensive line out there. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but I want to talk about the bigger picture things that we saw from this game, uh, because I think there is uh, a few things to take away. First of all, injury news. Obviously, one of the biggest concerns in the preseason is you want to get out injury-free. And unfortunately for the Colts, the first play of the game did result in a significant injury as Armani Watts on the kick return uh, did injure his ankle. And Frank Reich later confirmed that he will be out for the year. Uh, So that is an unfortunate loss for the team. Uh, And obviously, they're going to be looking at additional options at kick returner. Uh, So hate to see that. Uh, again, one of the biggest concerns of preseason is trying to keep these guys healthy, and, and literally the very first play of the game, uh, they, they could not dodge that bullet. Now, as for the offense, um, the starting running back, Jonathan Taylor, as we mentioned before, he did not play. Uh, neither did Naheem Hines. I think he got a lot of run in the first preseason game. Uh, I think they know what he's capable of. They don't want to really show the full script of what he's going to be doing in this offense. Uh, so really, this the, the starting top two running backs did not play in this game, and Pro Bowl center Ryan Kelly was out due to COVID. Uh, so uh, otherwise, most of the rest of the, the starting unit was out there. How did they look? Uh, you know, they were okay. Ryan looked fine. Uh, he was able to scramble for a first down on one play. Um, the only real uh, production that we saw, you know, came off of some screens and um, his one of his 17-yard passes to, to Michael Pittman, which threaded the needle. Uh, for the most part, Ryan looked about how you would expect a, a starting quarterback who's got 14 years experience to look. Um, he's making the right reads. Uh, he's willing and, and able to you know find guys short, to dump it off to the running backs, which I think we're going to see a lot of, especially early in the season. And it, no issues there. The, the starting offensive line, for the most part, they were fine. Uh, again, Ryan Kelly was out, so that's going to have an impact. Uh, and we did see that as one of the drives was uh, shut down basically through a, a sack from Levante David. Uh, and I think if you've got Ryan Kelly in there, you know that, that, that mishap does not happen. Um, as for the rest of the unit, uh, concern about the wide receivers. 
The only one that stood out in the first team was, of course, Michael Pittman. Um, no one else really jumped out uh, for the first team. Uh, and obviously throughout the game, you know, some of the guys uh, picked up again when, you know, Desmond Patman uh, had a good game. But for the most part, the starting wide receivers, there's still question marks there. Now, again, huge caveat here. Again, Jonathan Taylor is not out there. This is not the Colts' real starting offense. Uh, this is not an offense that is being scripted. It's not an offense with all of the plays in the book. Uh, you know, we, we didn't see a ton of play action, which we know we're going to see a lot of uh, this season. So I would temper any uh, concerns about this wide receiver group. I think as time progresses, Ryan will get more comfortable with them. But most importantly, what they're running out there during the preseason is very vanilla. It's not schemed up. Uh, so, you know, Pittman is, is winning because he just wins. He can beat other the guys on the other side of the field. The other guys, I think, will, you know, their their productivity will increase. The Sprank Reich is able to do more creatively as they're able to use the play action game uh, more extensively in the regular season. So, not concerned uh, at, at a big level, but obviously, we'll see how this plays out. And if, if this doesn't improve dramatically, then the concerns on the depth at wide receiver will be borne out. Now, one of my concerns last week uh, that I, I'm glad to say did not look nearly as bad this week was with the backup offensive line. Uh, the depth of the offensive line was concerning last week. This week, they seem to be much better. We did see better protection, better run blocking. Uh, guys like Bernard Raymond, who I think is really rounding out. You can see sort of week-to-week progress with him. And, and remember, this third-round pick, who was considered to have first-round talent, the biggest knock was this guy has only played left tackle for two years. And, you know, obviously that's going to, there's going to be a learning curve for him. And I think we're seeing him already progress. I do not think he's going to be the starting left tackle, to be clear. I think that job is for prior. Uh, but I would not be surprised if we see Raymond in the starting lineup at some point this year. He is just, uh, he's getting better week over week. So that is some great news. Backup offensive line, the depth there appears to be playing much better, or they did in this game. So we can ease some of those concerns that we had coming out of the second preseason game. And of course, finally, uh, everyone is talking about it, and it's Sam Ellinger. He is the star of this preseason. And the big question here, as we talked about last week, is what will the Colts do with him? And uh, let's get this out of the way. He will not be the backup quarterback. That is Nick Foles. There is zero question about that. Should he be the backup quarterback? Look, I, I love what Ellinger has done. Uh, he has made a very, very strong case for himself uh, this preseason, and he has shown incredible improvement from last year to this year, exactly what you want to see from a player in his spot. But that backup quarterback uh, is there not just in case you need them to step in and play, but also uh, in the quarterback room, uh, they sort of act as a secondary coach. You know, Foles is going to see stuff on the field. He's going to help Ryan with that. He's a veteran. That veteran experience is extremely valuable. And while I think Ellinger has long-term potential um, that you want to keep developing, he is the kind of player you want to keep around. Uh, he is not ready, I think, to be that second quarterback on the roster by himself. He has got a lot to learn uh, about the other elements of the game. And I think he, get, he looks like a guy you want to spend time doing that with, to be clear. What will Ballard do? So obviously, it's abnormal to carry three quarterbacks on your 53-man roster. Uh, however, if you try to push Ellinger to the practice squad, 
after the performance he's had this preseason, there is there is some chance another team's going to see him and think, yeah, we want to have him as our backup quarterback right now. Uh, and they could immediately snatch him up and put him on their 53-man roster. Uh, and that is a concern. You know, you've invested some time in Ellinger. He's shown a lot. I think he could be someone that over time could be a legitimate, really good spot starter, a, a, a solid quarterback too, which is valuable in this league. But putting him on the practice squad to start the season is, is pretty risky. Obviously, if you put him on the 53, the question is, what position does not get that spot? Uh, is it a running back? Is it a tight end? Um, is it a wide receiver? Do you go with five wide receivers and, and instead of six? Uh, and that is a, that's a big question. And it's, it's part of this roster composition that Ballard is going to have to figure out. Here's my thought. Um, I don't think you want to risk putting Ellinger on the practice squad. I, I do think there is, I'm not saying it's a certainty, but I think there is some risk and our team's going to snatch him up after the kind of preseason he's had. Uh, he has just been simply phenomenal. Um, so I think you put him on the 53-man roster. You go into the season with three quarterbacks with the firm understanding he is going to be inactive every week. It's going to be Ryan and Foles will be active. Ellinger will be that one of those guys who's consistently on the inactive list. But after a few weeks, after the league has settled, maybe after week two, week three, then you look at the quarterback position across the league. You see if you know any team looks like they're itching to move you know, their quarterback positions around. Uh, and if not, I think at that point in time, you can look to stash him on the practice squad, get him off the 53-man roster, push him down to the practice squad. The one thing NFL teams do not like to do is have uncertainty at quarterback during the season. They're fine mixing up the the backup quarterback uh, as they go into the season. But once you get a couple games in and you've got that backup, he's now developing that rhythm with the coaches, he's studying film, he's learning the offense, um, all of those things. Replacing that guy with an unknown who doesn't know all that stuff, that doesn't have experience with your team, uh, is very risky. And teams are going to be less likely to do that after you get a few games into the season. So if I'm Ballard, take this for what it's worth, I stick... Ellinger on the practice or on the 53 my roster, wait several weeks after the season gets going, and then look to put him onto the practice squad. And your risk of losing him to another team that has to put him on the 53 uh, to snatch him away is reduced pretty dramatically. Not saying it's zero, but I think you run you, you don't run nearly as high a risk as if you try to put him on the practice squad right now. All right, we're going to talk about the defense, uh, what we saw there. Uh, some of the players that uh, made an impression in this game and that may have pushed their way onto the 53-man roster as well. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back on the Stampede Blue Podcast. This is Dave Walker. We are talking about the Colts' 27-10 win in the third game of the preseason against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, obviously, we talked about the offense in the first half. Let's talk about the defense. Um, look, the first series... Uh, I actually, I've seen a mixed opinion on this, and I actually feel like the first team defense against Tom Brady and that absolutely ridiculously stacked offense um, did fairly well. The run defense was not great, um, but then again, uh, Shaquille Leonard is not out there, so keep that in mind. Uh, obviously, he is going to be a huge factor in this defense, and he is just, he's not ready to be out there yet. Um, but if you take away the absolute garbage pass interference call against Stephon Gilmore, which incidentally would have uh, killed that drive very early on, 
take away that bogus PI, uh, and you've got a defense that did its job early on against one of the best offenses in the league. Now, granted, same caveat applies for the Bucks as it does for the Colts. They're not going out there running their full offense, um, but they've got the talent. They've got guys like Mike Evans. They've got guys like uh, Julio Jones that are out there and uh, Cameron Brait. Uh, this is an offense that's got a lot of talent at the skill positions. Um, and the Colts starting defense on that first series, I thought did well. They held them to that field goal. Um, and let's be clear, on one of the third down conversions, Julio Jones had one of the most blatant push-offs that I've seen. Both arms fully extended. Cornerback was pushed back at least three or four yards uh, for him to generate that separation. That was a very, very generous no-call uh, to keep that drive alive. So uh, I think if you take those two things away, hopefully the reps clean up their game in the regular season. Uh, I actually thought the starting defense did well. And look, third and six at the 15, um, Kenny Moore limited Cameron Bright to just three yards, forced them into the field goal. Uh, I, I thought the first team defense, all things considered, did a good job, especially without Leonard out there. Uh, I think you have to keep that in mind. Um, and this is not a defense that's going to con- consistently force three and outs. They're going to give up some yardage. Uh, that was true of this style of defense with Seattle, with the Legion of Boom. They're going to give up some yardage, but they tend to shut down closer to the red zone. And that's what we saw. Uh, and I, I'm actually somewhat encouraged. This was you know, a Tampa Bay Bucks offense that's been in place for a while. One of the best quarterbacks of all time. Maybe not the best. Um, and honestly... I'll take that for the first team defense. And in that additional series, you know, the Bucks pulled their starters after the first series. So keep that in mind. Blaine Gabbert came in at quarterback. Um, but Grover Stewart single handedly shut down the, the subsequent drive for the Bucks. Uh, two straight tackles for loss. He was involved in all three plays, enforcing a three and out. Um, just, he was a monster on that one particular series. Uh, good to see him playing well. Um, as for the rest of the defensive line, we mentioned this last week, and I think this is going to remain a concern. The defensive line depth is not great. Uh, there are a lot of young guys out there. This could be a a thing where just over time, they're going to need time to develop to get better rookies coming into the NFL, man. It is especially, you know, keep in mind these are guys who are you know mid rounds, right? We didn't we didn't draft a, a, a defensive lineman in the top two rounds. Uh, this is it's going to take time for these guys to develop. Uh, the question is, if you lose someone at the top, how hard off does the productivity fall? We don't know that. We actually don't know that because what we're seeing here is a bunch of backups together. If you put um, with DeForest Buckner, one of these backup guys. Um, does his level of play elevate because he is out there with the Buckner who is taking, you know, taking more of those looks from the offensive line and getting those double teams. Uh, and that is where we've got some uncertainty. So while the backups by themselves do not look great, the depth by themselves do not look great. Um, if you mix them with starters, what does it look like? We don't have an answer on that. Obviously Frank Reich and, and Chris Ballard are looking at that. They're, you know, undoubtedly weighing that into their, uh, conversations of what to do with the roster this week as they cut down to the final 53. Um, uh, otherwise, I think where the Colts are at right now defensively is I think they're going to be pretty good out of the gate. Um, you know, there's 
Obviously, not a whole lot you can tell in just a few series. I think Stephon Gilmore is going to be a game changer. He looked like an absolute beast out there uh, in that first series, despite the bogus PI call. Um, I think you've got a lot of potential up front. Obviously, DeForest Buckner is going to be a game wrecker on the inside. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe is going to be a, a game changer on the outside. Uh, and once you get Leonard back out there, man, I, I just I'm I'm very very bullish on this uh, on this defense. So with that said, obviously the depth continues to be a concern. I don't want to exaggerate it because there there's still some opportunity to address it. All right, let's look ahead. Um, what some additional thoughts about the game? So after losing uh, uh, Rigoberto Sanchez, a punter, to a torn Achilles on Wednesday. Uh, the Colts signed uh, former Buffalo punter Matt Hack, uh, and he looked good uh, in this game. He averaged 50.6 yards per punt on five punts, uh, a net of 48, and they only allowed one return. So, you know, if if you're having to replace your punter this late into the preseason, that is exactly what you're hoping for. Uh, and finally, one additional name that sort of jumped out, and I think this guy has potentially played his way onto the 53-man roster, and that's Sterling Weatherford, uh, the six-foot-four and drafted rookie linebacker out of Miami of Ohio. He had 10 tackles and nine solo, and he's looked good all preseason. So that is a name to watch as the Colts go through cuts. I think he has probably earned himself a spot uh, in one of those last spots on the 53-man roster. Just a really solid preseason for him. Uh, good job to the undrafted uh, free agent rookie. Now, what is ahead? So obviously this week, the Colts, as do every NFL team, they have to cut down from their current 80 to the final 53. Uh, that will happen this week. And most teams are going to try to do that quickly. You know, there's going to be very few question marks for the teams at this point. Uh, the final preseason game only makes so much of a difference uh, to the, you know, to the uh, coaches and the, the guys who are evaluating what this roster needs to look like. They probably know 51, 50 out of the 53 players. At most, there's three spots that are truly still under question. Guys like Sterling Weatherford may have made the big difference to you know earn one of those final spots to, to raise erase any remaining question marks about whether they deserve a spot or not. Uh, so you can expect that to happen very quickly this week, in fact, because most teams want to get to their 53, see who is out there. That's one thing uh, that is also going to happen. Chris Ballard's job is not done. He is going to look at the cuts from other teams. He may look at uh, positions where he feels like the depth isn't as good as he wants it to be. You know, who's out there at, at safety? Who's out there at corner? Uh, are there guys that uh, are getting cut that he liked during the draft process that uh, maybe didn't make it with another team, but he feels like fits better into this defense uh, or the offense? The, the same could be true there. You know, uh, do we see some movement with T.Y. Hilton after what we've seen from the wide receivers? Do, does the front office, the Frank Wright, they feel like there is uh, a need for a veteran wide receiver to come in and provide a little bit of quality depth? Uh, at this point, it's a possibility. I think you can't feel 100% confident in this wide receiver group. Uh, they've looked good in practices, but that hasn't necessarily translated to the preseason games. Uh, do they pick up the phone and call TY? I think that is still a realistic possibility. Uh, so a lot of stuff is going to happen in the next two weeks. And obviously, we'll be here at the podcast um, to to speak about it when it does, when we get to the final 53, uh, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about the the depth of each position and how we feel about it before we get to that first game. And of course, again, that first game of the 2022 season will be 
in Houston to face the Texans two weeks from today, the day that we're recording this, uh, Sunday, September 11th, as we kick off this 2022 season with the Colts. All right, guys, if you have questions or comments, you can find me on Twitter at NFLDW. And of course, our articles daily at stampedeblue.com. This is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.